Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. My usual co-host, Matt Williamson, on vacation this week. We've had a ton of really great guest hosts from around the network. And Thursday, no different. The host of Locked On Bengals, James Rapine, is my guest host today. So excited to get into some Cincinnati Bengals conversation, of course. But it's also the franchise tag deadline for players to sign long-term contracts. So we'll get into the players who did and did not sign new deals Wednesday. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. James, you can find at James Rapine on Twitter. Uh, you can find also his work, not only Locked On Bengals, but he covers the Bengals on allbangles.com for Sports Illustrated. James, how are you, sir? I'm well, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it's having had a lot of fun this week. I, I, I can't convey that I'm having too much fun because I know Williamson is somewhere listening with his toes in the sand on the beach, but he's having a great time. I'm sure he's okay with me talking to some co-hosts this week, and I have had a good time talking to everybody. Um, and today's a big one because that franchise tag deadline came and went Wednesday. And the big one, and we've talked about it a lot here on the show, was Dak Prescott did not sign a new contract. Uh, a number of Franchise-tagged players didn't sign new deals. There was one big one that did, but uh, I want to get back here to Dak Prescott and start there. What are your thoughts on Dak? Apparently, he was being offered in the $33 million range, and maybe there were some last-minute texts from the Cowboys and um, Stephen Jones, like, hey, you up? And Dak was like, yeah, I'm done, man. I'm not answering anymore. And, and apparently leading up for a few weeks, there was no conversation. And the day of, right before, they, they send some texts. And I don't know what that's going to do to try to get a deal done. But Dak wants 35 plus. Cowboys offering around $33 million per year. Where are you at on the Dak Prescott long-term contract now not getting consummated here before the deadline? It's such an interesting situation with the Cowboys because last year felt like the sweet spot where if you got a deal done, it would have been reasonable money. It would have probably been comparable to what Carson Wentz got in Philadelphia. And instead now with the Patrick Mahomes deal with at some point, DeAndre Hopkins or or, excuse me, um, Deshaun Watson is going to sign a long-term contract and that's going to up the quarterback market. And Dak isn't those guys to me And, and not many are, but Dak is just, he's a really good quarterback not great. And, and unfortunately, if you're a, the Cowboys, you're stuck now with either pay him great money or treat him like he's Kirk Cousins. And I think he's better than Kirk Cousins, but you're in a rock and a hard place because you missed that window. So $35 million. The other thing that I know Prescott wants is a shorter contract, three years uh, versus five. I guess the Cowboys offered him five, according to reports, because he wants to test the market again. And if I'm the Cowboys, I actually like a three-year deal. I don't want to hitch my wagon to Dak for the next five years uh, for 35 to you know $40 million per season. So he's, he's a good player. I'm not sure he's great. And I also don't blame Dak Prescott today for not answering those you up texts because you're in a really good position this year to put up huge numbers in that offense. You have a, a quarterback friendly coach who needs to prove himself. You have plenty of weapons. You have Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield, a, a much, even though they're not as good as a couple of years ago, an above average offensive line. So you might be saying, all right, well, I'm going to go throw for 5,000 yards and 35 plus touchdowns, and you're going to have to pay me even more next year. So if you're Prescott, you're feeling pretty good, and, and the Cowboys remain in a tough situation if they want to keep Dak around long term. So Dak not signed long term. I'm kind of with you. It's like at this point, you have to overpay. And if you're Dak, 
you saw it with Kirk Cousins, like play it out. See if you can get that guaranteed contract, get as much money as you can. Maybe you have to press it and, and uh, eventually sign with a team that's not the Cowboys, but I'm with you. And if I remember correctly, I don't have any of the numbers up, but going back one year, the reports were that Dak's biggest year on his proposed deal was going to balloon to $35 million per year. Now that is what he wants the base starting point to be, or at least the <laughs> average to be. So yeah, I think the the Cowboys did whiff hard. If they wanted to keep Dak long-term, they missed that window last year. Absolutely. They did. And, and I don't really blame them because are we sure Dak is going to be very good to great for the next five years? I'm not like, I, I think he entered the league in a perfect situation where he had a lot of weapons and a great offensive line and a run first offense and the, the Cowboys had a really good defense, and it set him up for success. You know, it, and the numbers look pretty good. Uh, and I'm not going to pretend I watched every snap that Dak Prescott took last year, but I watched a lot of them. And I don't think he's in the same class as Russell Wilson. But let's let's just take Patrick Mahomes out of it. But he's not in the same class as Russell Wilson. He's not in the same class as a Deshaun Watson, even a Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz, injuries aside, is much more talented than Dak Prescott. So it, it's uh, – it's a tough situation now because again, he's asking to be that easily the highest paid quarterback in his division. And if you're the Cowboys, do you want to do that long-term? It's uh, it's, it's one of those things that I guess it'll solve itself, but I would not be shocked at all. If this is the Kirk cousins route where the Cowboys like him, they don't love him and they're not willing to make him a top three paid quarterback in the NFL, considering, you know, what quarterbacks are making in, in today's league. It's almost like you just have to go for it. You have to close your eyes and say, well, this is the cost. Uh, we could have got it cheaper. <laughs> yeah. The sale's over. Uh, we've we've got to spend the money. And uh, it, it's it's much better to be there than to be one of the have-nots in the NFL without a good quarterback at all and a bad quarterback. So maybe he's going to end up getting more money than ideal. But, uh, you know, whatever. At some point next offseason, another quarterback's going to end up making more. So that's just the way it goes in the NFL. And uh, we'll see how this whole thing plays out now. One-year deal, franchise tag for Dak Prescott. One player that did get a big contract, that is Derek Henry, Titans running back. This was one that people argue about because he is a running back. He's not a huge factor in the passing game either, but it came in well below someone like Christian McCaffrey. He's getting 17 mil per year. I think it's $12.5 million per year. A $50 million contract here over four years for Derek Henry. What are your thoughts on Henry's new contract? I'd be surprised if Henry sees the full four years of this deal. I know the first two are essentially guaranteed. Look, look, I I don't blame the Titans because Henry carried that offense. At the same time, is he going to carry you past where you got last year? Are you going to be able to win a a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry leading your offense? And I would lean no. So you, you locked yourself into Ryan Tannehill, which I probably wouldn't have done if I was the Titans. I get paying Derrick Henry, but I, I also think that this idea that he's going to be there for four years, probably not going to happen. I, I'd say two to three years, and then they pivot and they go elsewhere. So I understand the Henry deal. I didn't really understand the Tannehill deal. To me, they go together. Uh, but if you're a Titans fan, watching last year's team, Henry was that offense. So you want to keep him around. You want to do what you can uh, to try to keep that window open for for the next couple of years. You have a great coach. Henry represents that Titans mantra of just being physical, right? So I, I think uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. I just don't know if it's going to get them where they want to go, which isn't to the playoffs. They've done that plenty. 
but it's over that hump into a Super Bowl. And you have to expect that it's backloaded somewhat. So 12 and a half average, he's probably making under 10 in year one. And in the last couple of years, if you're correct and he doesn't see the end of the contract, it actually could be a pretty nice deal for the Titans. All things considered for signing a running back long term, which I, I rarely would advise. Especially because they were going to they already tagged him this year and they were going to tag him next year. Had he performed well, they wouldn't just let him walk. And so, yeah, instead of that, you get that long term um, peace of mind if you're the Titans, because if he runs for 1600 yards this year and 1500 yards in 2021, then you feel pretty good about your investment. It's just you're right. A big, physical, strong running back like that, investing big time money in him. It's just you know how many hits he's going to take, and he's going to take a lot of them over the next couple of years. And that's the thing. The Titans now, they have that peace of mind where they can run them as much as they want, and they don't have to worry uh, about what's going to happen if he has too many yards, how much they're going to have to pay, any of that. Uh, At the same time, the running back position, there's a good argument that could be made to not pay running backs high-end money, which Henry getting – I I think it makes him a a top four paid running back in the NFL, which is, uh, is pretty good if you're Derrick Henry. All right, I want to run through the rest of these coming up. There's a ton of franchise-tagged players. It looks like most of them did not get deals done before, at least before today. Some of the deadlines are actually different, which I don't completely understand. But, uh, yeah, most of these players are going to play under their one-year franchise tags. We'll get into the rest of those. Take a look at ESPN's rankings of 2020 wide receivers as voted on by NFL executives. And, of course, talk Cincinnati Bengals coming up. And let's talk rockauto.com. If you're looking for auto parts, an amazing selection, easy to navigate website, reliably low prices, you don't need to look any further than rockauto.com. Whatever you need, brake parts, engine parts, you need a tailgate like our colleague Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. His tailgate off his truck was stolen. He went to rockauto.com, found a replacement, repaired his tailgate for his pickup truck. Classic cars, your daily driver, Everything you need for your car or truck at rockauto.com. They're a family-owned business, been around for 20 years, helping you find parts online at rockauto.com. No different price structures for mechanics or do-it-yourselfers. Reliably low prices, right locked on in the box so they know we sent you. Go fix up that old car. Keep your new car running. Go to rockauto.com. All the parts your car or truck could ever need. Okay, James, I'm going to run through the rest of these franchise tag players. And if any of them jump out, you can interrupt me. You can wait till I'm done reading them all off if you have any thoughts on any of these players. Um, We talked a little bit yesterday about a couple of edge rushers, Bud Dupree and Shaq Barrett, that both are filing grievances after signing their franchise tender because they want defensive end money rather than outside linebacker money. And I'm with them on that because that should be a position that's just called edge whether you're a three four outside linebacker four three defensive end i think uh, that's that's a big hole there in the collective bargaining agreement as far as franchise tags go so i think bud dupree and shaq barrett both have a gripe neither one are signing a long-term deal kendrin uh kenyan drake he said that uh he'll come in he actually tweeted about it himself he says i'm not too concerned about signing an extension currently so uh, it sounds like nobody wants to get a deal done with kendrick drake uh in arizona uh we've got Anthony Harris, Vikings safety, franchise tag has been signed. He will not reach a long-term deal with the Vikings and will play out 2020 on that tag. Hunter Henry, similar story. Chris Jones got his big deal. We talked about that yesterday, four years, $85 million. Matthew Judon has been traded from the Baltimore Ravens to the Detroit Lions. 
Uh, Yannick Ngakwe would like to be traded, and it sounds like he will not be traded, at least right now. Jaguars saying they're not in any hurry to move Yannick Ngakwe. He wants out. They did get some offers within the last 24 hours, the last week or so, apparently numerous offers, but the Jaguars are still not biting, and apparently uh, at least one team had offered an all-pro or a Pro Bowl player. So that's an interesting one. We might still see Yannick Ngakwe on a new roster this season. Brandon Sheriff signed his franchise tag. He'll play on the one-year tender. Uh, Justin Simmons will play under the one-year tender. And Joe Tooney, who signed his franchise tag in uh, in March. Yeah, March 19th, he was not expected to sign a long-term deal, and uh, he will not. Uh, Leonard Williams will also not sign a long-term deal and will play out the one-year tenders. Do you think we're seeing more of these players play it out just because of the uncertainty right now going on with COVID-19? It's a huge part of it, Brian, because... If you're an NFL franchise and you want to commit to Matthew Judon or any of these guys, right? It, you you have to look at, at what the cap is going to be and you just have no idea what it is. We have an idea in a goal if there are 16 games, if there are uh, maybe a, a fraction of the normal amount of fans in the stands. But what if there isn't a season, right? And, and what if the, the salary cap, instead of being $198 million, nearly $200 million in 2021, is $150 million? So I, I think it's it's smart to play it safe here, and that's why you didn't see as much action at the deadline. That's why you might not have seen as many trades, right? Because you, if you're a team trading for one of these guys, you're obviously going to want to sign them to a long-term deal, but you're only going to do that if you know what the cap is and you can plan for it. So it's a tough situation, and, and I think it, I know for a fact that played role in A.J. Green not getting tagged or not getting a, a long-term deal from the Bengals, and I'm sure it played a role in, in a lot of these guys uh, having to play the the 2020 season on the franchise tag. Now I'm not seeing the Judon trade. Did I get that wrong? Did I get duped by like a fake account or something like that about the Matthew Judon trade? Did he get traded I, to the Lions? Or I, I was. I, that's what I was looking up while you were you you were uh, talking about <laughs> all the, the tenders here. I saw one tweet about it, but it doesn't look like any of the the bigwigs, you know, the Rappaports or the Schefters. Have okay. Okay. So that was a rumored trade. It looks like, and and that is not being confirmed by any of the big dogs out there. So maybe Judon is not on the move. He also had a cryptic tweet about looking for some real estate in Kansas City. So maybe there is a trade, potentially to the Chiefs, potentially to the Lions, but nothing done yet with Matthew Judon. If he ends up in Kansas City, watch out. Wow. Yeah, My where, Lord. They, where are they finding that money, by the way? Uh, I don't think they could, right? They can't do that. <laughs> no, they can't. No way. They can't. It'd be fun. I mean, let's have fun. Let's just stack a few teams and let them go to town like the, like, like the 90s, yeah, that's, like the, the Packers, Cowboys, 49ers in the 90s. It was kind of fun, I guess. I guess if you're a fan of one of those teams, it was fun, not for everybody else. That's right. Yeah, you don't want to ask Bengals fans about the 90s. I'll tell you that. Okay, so one player I did not mention there that is going to play under his one-year number, which I think makes a lot of sense for this player, is a guy you cover in Cincinnati, A.J. Green, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL um, first, actually, you know what? I, I want to go this route first before we talk specifically Bengals. First of all, I just think it's a great deal for him to get a franchise tag number because he gets top wide receiver money this year and then has that year to prove he's healthy, can cash in on a multi-year deal next offseason rather than signing that long-term deal. I think he'll make m- more money in the long run playing it out this way if he can stay healthy in 2020, which is a big if right now. You're 100% right. That, that's why I was... In favor, I said, if the Bengals want to keep him long term, they should sign him this offseason because you can do it for three years. Yes. And then you're paying for 
age 32, 33, and 34 of AJ Green, you're paying him big money. Now, if he has a big year and you sign him to a three-year extension next offseason, you're paying for a 33-year-old, 34-year-old, and 35-year-old AJ Green. And by all accounts, he wanted 18 to 20 million. So yeah, this could work out well. If he plays at a high level this season, whether it's from the Bengals or someone else, he could essentially make between 18 and $20 million per season this season and then three more years after that. And I think that's extremely realistic if he goes out there and shows that he's that guy. Uh, so I, I'm with you 100%. It was it, as bad as it may feel for Green today because he doesn't have that long-term assurance. If he can play well this season, it could pay, for, pay off for him long-term. Do you think there's potential for a trade of A.J. Green from Cincinnati during the season? That's certainly something that that's going to continue, right? The speculation of that, because no one expects the Bengals to be good. And AJ Green is a guy that if he's healthy, a lot of contending teams would be interested in. Why wouldn't you be? He's quiet. He's not a distraction and he's a, a playmaker. I mean, he can ball when he's healthy. So I think that that speculation will continue. Here's really the, the problem with it. If he goes out there and plays well, then teams are going to be interested. But if he goes out there and plays well, the Bengals who have by all accounts said they want to keep him long-term, that means that they have watched him and Joe Burrow thrive together and, and start to click. And so if that happens, that's a, that's a tough decision that the Bengals brass would have to make. Uh, all, all things point to them wanting to keep him past the 2020 season. So I think if he plays well, he'll, he'll remain in Cincinnati or they'll try to keep him there. But if they're going to trade him, Brian, it, it would have to be, or if they want legitimate compensation for him, they would have to trade him during the season because if, let's say he leaves next offseason, has a big year, leaves, and they're hoping for a, a good compensatory pick. He's going to be over 30 years old. He's going to have 10 years with the same team. So the best compensatory pick they would get is a fifth rounder, which certainly is not even close to what they would get at the deadline if he's playing well. So they're going to have to make up the, their minds pretty quickly here uh, in, in the Joe Burrow, A.J. Green era if they want to keep him around long term or if they're willing to move him. Where would a healthy A.J. Green rank for you? ESPN dropped their lists, and they've been dropping these all the last couple of weeks. Uh, executives voting on the best players per position in the NFL. The wide, wide receiver list came out. A.J. Green not in the top 10 of this list. He was an honorable mention. I think a, AJ, a healthy A.J. Green is just a flat stud. He is a beast, and he would be closer to the top than the bottom of the top 10 for me if healthy. Where would you place A.J. Green in this list? Let me just read out the list for those who haven't seen it yet. Julio Jones is one. Michael Thomas. DeAndre Hopkins, three. Odell Beckham, four. Tyreek Hill, five. And then six through ten are Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Chris Godwin, and Amari Cooper. Where do you file A.J. Green in there if he was 100% healthy in 2020? He's certainly ahead of... You know, the the Godwins, even the the Keenan Allens, he's had his fair share of injuries too. Amari Cooper, I, I'm with you. I think he's anywhere because, again, he's going to be turning 32 at the end of this month. So are, are we sure he's better than Devontae Adams or Mike Evans? I don't know about that. Uh, if he is the same guy, though, that we've seen, there's no doubt A.J. Green is a, a top five NFL wide receiver. I just think even if he's fully healthy, having missed a year, he'll take a slight step back. But 95% of A.J. Green's prime is still a top 10 NFL wide receiver in my eyes. Because here's the thing people don't see, and I get it. Most listening probably haven't watched the Bengals over the past decade with A.J. Green. At the same time, 
he's played with Andy Dalton, who's never been a good deep ball thrower. He, he's never been overly accurate downfield. And AJ is that type of guy. He can go up and get it and, and, and make huge plays. And that's why I think fans are excited to see him with Burrow, because if he is healthy, uh, he could kind of reestablish himself as that top five wide receiver. Uh, it, it wasn't that long ago. It sounds silly now, but it wasn't that long ago. Uh, they were in the same draft class where people had the debate, AJ Green or Julio Jones, yep. who do you take? Well, now it, it sounds silly. But uh, if he stays healthy this year, it, it might not sound as silly you know, a few months from now. Any other thoughts on this list? Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, you were of the opinion that Tyreek Hill might be even a little bit too low at number five? Yes, absolutely. Because speed, it's one thing to have speed, right? There are a lot of track stars, but Tyreek Hill does something that a lot of these guys can't do. They just scare defenses. I, I would imagine that corners across the league are more scared and afraid of Tyreek Hill, that he puts fear in defensive coordinators and secondaries more so than, let's say, a Michael Thomas. It doesn't mean he's a better overall receiver than Michael Thomas, but the the fear, the, the ability to have the, the one big play that completely changes the game, he can do it at a moment's notice. And there's no one on the planet that can do that better than him right now. Um, I would have him ahead of Odell Beckham Jr. I covered Odell last year in Cleveland for a bit, and he's as talented as anyone on this list, but barely cracked a thousand yards last year, took some plays off, uh, is does come with some distractions, which you could say Tyreek Hill did too, especially last offseason. But Tyreek Hill, that, that speed that he has, it's hard to compete with. And I know he's in the perfect situation in Kansas City, but I, I think he's a guy that really puts fear in opposing defensive backs and, and is just uh, a nightmare on Sundays. Because if you're just a, a quarter of a step slow, it's six the other way and suddenly Patrick Mahomes is on fire and, and you're getting run off the field. Most of the execs voting on these lists has become pretty clear that they still value traits over skills, even developed mm-hmm. skills of, you know, 10 year NFL veterans, which is a little bit surprising because I get that if you're drafting players and you're trying to figure out who's going to be great, who has the highest potential. Once we know who these players are at that point, it's like, okay, well, how much can you, how much can you bank on that? athletic ability or that height weight speed when there's another player who's just flat better maybe he's not as fast or as big and that's part of it too because a guy like Devonte adams is arguably the best route runner in the game and he's seventh here but i could totally see why people would uh, you know what personnel would have him higher and his highest ranking on this list was number one so that means an executive not all of them but an executive had Devonte adams as the best wide receiver in the nfl and that that might sound crazy to some people, but when you look at traits versus production, I, I think Adams is, is such a great route runner. He might not be as fast as Evans. Uh, he, he might not have you know the hands uh, of Odell Beckham Jr. The one-handed flashy catches. But is there a, a better wide receiver than Adams? He might not be as productive as some of these guys, but he's he's up there. So I, I totally get it. Uh, when it comes from a route running standpoint. And, and it is interesting because it isn't just these wide receiver rankings. A lot of uh, a lot of these lists appear a little off. And, and whether the executives wanted to play it safe with big names so they weren't questioned uh, or if they really believe that, that that's something that I, I wish I, we would have more context on because maybe they're just doing this and going with Odell at four, even though he hasn't been great in, in four years, essentially, um, just to to play it safe. 
versus telling telling the media how they really feel. Yeah, Odell's the tough one there at number four because obviously the talent's there, and if he was one of the top four receivers in the league this year, I don't think it would shock anybody, but consistency-wise, he would be uh, well behind at least two, three, four guys that are behind him on the list. Absolutely, yeah, and that's... That, that's the difficult thing with the wide receiver position. I, I'm not sure, but we, we talk a lot about quarterbacks in the league, but I'm not sure there's a better time for receivers. They're more valuable than ever. I don't know of another time. I, I, at least I can't think of it. It's just the way the game's going. Wide receivers can make an imprint on the game more than ever. And and so there's there's so much room for, for one of these guys to jump up the list or, or drop down. So really, if you told me, there's probably seven or eight guys on this list. If you told me, Hey, they're going to lead the league in receiving yards this year and just be completely dominant where I'd be like, Oh, I could see that. It might not be likely, but I could see it. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's rare. I mean, are there eight quarterbacks that, that you could, you would say they're going to lead the league in, in not only passing yards, but just be the best quarterback in the league. I would say no, but I think at wide receiver, there's so many talented ones that, that there's multiple that, that could burst, uh, out onto the scene here and, and lead the league in multiple statistical categories in 2020. Allen Robinson is one of those. I would not be surprised at all if he leads yeah. the league in receptions this year. He was pretty high on the list last year, and he's just played with garbage quarterbacks right. dating back to college. I just want to see him with a really good quarterback for one season, like trade places with him and, and Michael Thomas in New Orleans, and, and let's see what kind of stats Allen Robinson puts up. I'm with you. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good one because he, he goes from Jacksonville to Chicago, and you think maybe he's going to get a quarterback and – Mitch Trubisky obviously hasn't worked. Uh, imagine I had the Bears, and I'm not trying to torture Bears fans here. What if they had drafted Pat Mahomes? How would Allen Robinson look then? <laughs> so, yeah, he's a uh, he's a really physical wide receiver and just another example. I mean, he didn't even make the honorable mention list here. So he's not uh, considered a top 15 receiver um, by NFL executives. So the fact that he's on the outside looking in talks about the, the depth and it is a testament to the depth in the league right now. All right, we got to talk Cincinnati Bengals more with James Rapine, co-hosting today on Locked on NFL. If I'm not mistaken, James, Joe Burrow, yeah. the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, who Bengals fans are, are hanging a lot of hope on right now, a former LSU Tiger, current Cincinnati Bengal, he did not like the nickname Tiger King, right? I don't think so. Okay. I, I, I don't think he did. It was so timely with, uh, with with his teams he's played on, getting drafted, with everything that was going on during the shutdown and the draft, and then that Tiger King show being hugely popular. It was such a perfect nickname. But you know, if he, if the if the young man doesn't like it, that's okay. He's a little awkward, right? But in a in a the good kind of way because I remember guys like Peyton Manning and and Eli Manning too, to a certain degree. You can't be like too cool and be a really good NFL quarterback, you have to be a little bit dorky, like Andrew Luck almost. And I feel like, you know, Joe Burrow kind of has that, like tucks his T-shirt in and then pulls his shorts up too. There's something weird about it and awkward about him, which I love because that tells me he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. Yeah, he does have a little bit of that. You know, like he, uh, on draft night, I remember I talked to him about video games and that was kind of my my target because everyone's asking him these hard-hitting questions. And I'm like, oh yeah, what video games are you playing right now? And we talked about that. And obviously he spent, all of quarantine and, and really all off season uh, at his parents' house. So I'm sure he's playing plenty of, uh, of video games and it's, it, it is a unique trait where uh, I don't think he's necessarily as dorky as Peyton Manning was, or, or certainly Andrew Luck. I mean, Andrew Luck's probably the dorkiest <laughs> of all of them, uh, you know, with his flip phone and, and, you know, just the way he sounds and talks and carries himself. That's not a knock. It's just, you know, I, I think kind of factual. Um, but yeah, Burrow is in that kind of category 
where he sounds, acts, and carries himself like some of those great quarterbacks when they were younger. And, and I think that's a big reason why. I know his on-field plays part of it, but I think that's a big reason why he's compared to a lot of those guys. What are realistic expectations for rookie version of Joe Burrow? I know it's, you know, sky's the limit as far as how good Bengals fans hope Joe Burrow can be, but what's the realistic expectation this year with that Bengals offense? So many question marks. I mean, just so many from COVID-19 and and literally Joe Burrow hasn't talked to Zach Taylor in person since February at the NFL combine. That's crazy. Like that's, that's crazy, right? He's been drafted. He's learned the whole playbook. Hasn't set foot in Paul Brown stadium. I don't, I think he went maybe when he was like 10 years old to a Bengals game because he is an Ohio native. Um, But, but that's it. I mean, hasn't been in Paul Brown stadium at all. And, and so you got to think like, there's going to be an adjustment period and Bengals fans have extremely high expectations, but there's going to be moments where he looks and it feels like a rookie, especially what if there's no preseason, which the players are reportedly pushing for. And I understand why, but if there isn't a preseason, we know how training camp is now where there aren't as many live reps. And so if that's the case, there are going to be some times where he, he looks a little overwhelmed, I would say. Uh, maybe not from a you know a physical standpoint, even a mental standpoint, but just adjusting to life in the league. Um, so as far as expectations, I, I don't think people are expecting them to go 500 or anything like that. But fans are expecting them to at least be competitive this year in arguably the best division in football. Maybe they win six games or so, but you feel good about the direction they're going in by the end of the year. You feel good about Joe Burrow. He's ascending by the end of the season. I kind of think that's where fans are. Uh, some, you know, you're always going to get the optimistic ones that say, oh, it's playoffs. But I think the realistic fans are just open for to watch more competitive football than they did last year and, and watch a young quarterback who should certainly be more fun to watch than Ryan Finley who made three starts for the Bengals last season. Yeah, that, that was pretty rough. Uh, looking at Joe Burrow's pass catchers, obviously you got A.J. Green, healthy on one side, will be the dude. Tyler Boyd, the slot monster. If you're going three wide, who's going to be that third wide receiver on the field? The rookie T. Higgins? Is it going to be the speedster John Ross? Is it going to be the good Mike Thomas? I forgot the Bengals had Mike Thomas, who if you, if you uh, rewind back to the NFL draft, both Mike Thomases were coming out at the same time. Uh, the Mike Thomas currently on the Bengals was the one known as the good Mike Thomas because everyone thought he was underrated, but it turned out, no, it was actually the Ohio State Michael Thomas that was the the true good Mike Thomas. Oh, I remember talking to draft analysts that were like, the Bengals, because they needed a receiver then, they should draft both Mike Thomases and they'll be set. So, <laughs> one has to be uh, good. You know, those, those analysts were half right. Um, and and yeah, so I think the it, it'll be John Ross for, for the most part, but what Zach Taylor's talked about, and I've talked to a couple wide receivers this offseason, they're learning every position. So AJ Green's role is going to be much different, I think, than it was in the past. They're going to try to take him off the line of scrimmage, make life easier on him a little bit, put him in the slot more. Obviously, that's where Tyler Boyd normally plays. And then you got these outside guys and T. Higgins, who again, he might have to adjust to, to life in the NFL early on, but they expect him to contribute right away. Auden Tate, who a lot of people probably don't know, but he made some highlight reel catches and Andy Dalton never seemed last season to be able to hit him accurately. So he had to make some crazy catches where he had to contort his body. So the Bengals have a really good one through five um, options, one through five in the receiver room. It's just a matter of health. AJ Green and John Ross have played a total since Ross was drafted in 2017, a total of nine games together. 
That's wild. <laughs> so they need they need to stay healthy. If they do, I, I think that's about as good of a a wide receiver room as you could have for a rookie quarterback. Um, but it, it, it's going to come down to health. So I, I think the order would be Boyd second after Green, Ross, and then Higgins will certainly get plenty of time. And then Auden Tate uh, will get his reps as well at that fifth spot. They're going to have a lot of wide receivers out there. I think they're going to be interchangeable and, and really try to maximize what they have in that room. Breaking in a rookie quarterback, I have to imagine it's going to be pretty ground heavy, at least early on. I would imagine uh, drafting Joe Mixon would be pretty smart in your fantasy leagues. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think you know, we see the Derrick Henry deal today. And if you're mixing, there's on, on one hand, you're probably like, okay, I'll take that $50 million deal because he's entering the final <laughs> year of his contract. On the other hand, you're walking into an offense where you should be poised to put up huge numbers this season. One, the offensive line should be a little bit better than it was last year. Two, you have a quarterback in Joe Burrow who's used to throwing to running backs. He worked with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last year at LSU, and so I think Mixon will be more involved in the passing game this season. And then you're right. you, you got to rely on the running running game when you have a young quarterback like that. When you have an offensive line that certainly has its question marks up front, take some pressure off of Burrow, rely on that 23-year-old in Joe Mixon, and, and feed him the ball. And, and I, I certainly think that'll be a part of the game, game plan, especially early to try to avoid some of those lulls and some of those slumps that I mentioned that Burrow could go through as he adjusts to life in the NFL. How is Giovanni Bernard still on the Cincinnati Bengals? <laughs> they signed him to an extension last offseason, Brian. I don't, I don't know. It, it's, it, it's crazy. I mean, he's a, I think he's like the 15th highest paid running back in the league or 13th highest paid. Like he's he got a pretty good extension. And I just don't know where he he fits, you know, and he can contribute regularly. You know, he can do a little bit of everything. He's solid at running between the tackles. He's a, a pretty good pass catcher out of the backfield. Certainly has the quickness and shiftiness that you look for. But can the Bengals maximize his talent? I mean, they couldn't even – I don't even think they maximized Joe Mixon's abilities last year since he came into the league. So it, it does seem like a little bit of a waste to have Geo just kind of there, you know, and uh, who, who knows? Maybe you mentioned trade candidates. I don't think the Bengals would would, would trade him, but but you also never know. Uh, if they sign Mixon to an extension, maybe they consider uh, and look to to move him. Maybe not this offseason, but midseason, if there is a uh, a taker that's willing to to take him off their hands. Depending on how quick Joe Burrow develops, the Bengals offense could put up some points, but I'm a little bit worried about the defensive side of the ball. We're, we're almost out of time here, James. Can you sum up what will be happening with the Bengals defense? What do you expect from that unit in uh, 30 seconds to a minute? I mean, I'm seeing Carlos Dunlap's been one of the more underrated Defensive ends in the league for a while. I, I love Jesse Bates at free safety. Uh, I really wish we could see Carl Lawson healthy, but this overall unit, uh, I'm not super high on. Am I wrong? I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I think they're going to look much different than they were last year. They were awful last season, but you you bring in a DJ reader who should make life a little easier on the interior of that defensive line with Geno Atkins as he gets up there in age. You mentioned Carlos Dunlap. Obviously, Carl Lawson is a guy who has the talent, just has to stay healthy. And then Sam Hubbard as well has played pretty well in his first two years at the NFL. Uh, but but it's going to come down to, to linebacker as much as anything because the defensive line is better. Now can the linebackers come up and make plays? They drafted three linebackers. They signed Josh Bynes in free agency. And then they signed Trey Waynes as well. So they're expecting all three levels of the defense to be better. How much better? Only time will tell. I think it's a tough division. I think it's going to be tough for that Bengals defense to come together, especially because they haven't had a practice together. They haven't done anything together. And there are a lot of new faces on that side of the ball. 
That is James Rapine. He's the host of Locked On Bengals. You can find all of his work daily there and at allbangles.com covering all things Cincinnati football. James, man, really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for co-hosting with me today. Absolutely, Brian. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Finishing up this week without Matt Williamson while he's on vacation, my guest host Friday will be your boy Q, the host of Locked On Raiders. Should be fun. Talk to you then right here, Locked On NFL.